Welcome to Wellness Now, a health and wellness information program brought to you by Valleywise Health and District Medical Group. Each week we go in depth with different healthcare experts on some of your top health questions, getting answers to help you live your best life. Hello and welcome to Wellness Now, presented by Valleywise Health and District Medical Group. I'm your host, Dr. Michael White. Whether you've lived here your whole life or moved from somewhere else, there's a lot to love about Arizona. The warm winters, cost of living, the beautiful nature and economy are just a few of the benefits of living here. But being in the Southwest also comes with its unique dangers. So today we're talking with an emergency medicine physician about the risks of living in Arizona and what you can do to stay safe. We're joined today by Dr. Dan Kwan, a district medical group physician and medical toxicologist at Valleywise Health. Dr. Kwan, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Dr. Wayne. So what's different about working in an emergency department in Phoenix, Arizona versus other parts of the country? I think uh, working in Phoenix and, and also living in Phoenix is great. You know, you, you can enjoy the great outdoors. You can enjoy being bitten by snakes, you know, all kinds of things that you can, uh, you can encounter. But I think that's one of the things, that, the challenges of working in the emergency department here in Phoenix is the environmental aspect of it. So whether it's uh, bites, stings, heat, and even cold. And in some situations, you know, we can certainly uh, have a wide variety of, of uh, patients to see. So, you know, again, you, as you mentioned, you know, one of the great things about being in Arizona is we get to spend a lot of time outside and we get exposed to all of these potential critters that, you know, just may want to do us some damage or may, may do us some damage. So Excellent. one of the things we hear a lot about are scorpions. And, you know, we know that scorpions are truly present here within Arizona. Which of the scorpions that we see in Arizona are truly dangerous? Well, in Arizona, we have a lot of different species and varieties of scorpions, one of which is called the bark scorpion. And that is the one that is the, the most dangerous to, to kids and really the elderly are, are really the uh, target populations. Kids especially because they're, they're so small and, you know, the scorpion venom can, uh, can affect them profoundly, cause a lot of respiratory distress, can cause uh, breathing problems, uh, limb jerking. It's uh, actually very profound if you've never seen anyone stung by a scorpion. It can be uh, actually a traumatic experience, especially for parents. So what happens after a sting? So, you know, you talk a little bit about those body movements. What else can happen after an individual gets bit by, you know, one of these uh, scorpions? When a patient is stung by a scorpion, they can get a lot of localized pain initially, and then the numbness and tingling starts. But in, in little kids and even uh, those at risk, it just depends on how much venom one gets usually. You know, you get uh, a lot of secretions. Uh, so in other words, they, a lot of saliva comes out and, and you know, it's like they're, they're drowning almost in, in their, their spit. That develops into troubles breathing and, you know, then it kind of goes from there. Especially the limb jerking because they can't control their limb movements, they can't walk. A lot of times patients will have their eyes closed because they don't want to, their, their eyes are all over the place. And uh, it's just very uncomfortable. So what happens and what should I do if I get stung? You read a little bit about it's the smaller ones that maybe cause more problems than the larger scorpions around that type of thing. So what happens, you know, if I get stung? I would say most patients, let's say if as an adult, if, if uh, one is stung, a lot of pain, maybe some numbness and tingling, kind of some weird taste things can happen. But if little kids get stung, especially the kids from, 
newborn to six years of age, they can really have a lot of problems. Um, those are the patients that, you know, you really have to watch close. And if you have little kids at home and you're taking care of little kids, really watch their breathing. And if you, you think that they need to be seen in, in the hospital, bring them to the hospital. Uh, another resource is, is poison control. You can call poison control and they can kind of guide you through some of the steps. What would be some of those initial steps? So say I'm an adult and I'm working out in the garden and for some reason I, I come across one of these things I wasn't paying attention where I put my hands and, and I got stung on my hand. You know, what are some of the immediate things that I should do to kind of help, you know, mitigate, you know, some of the, the trouble here? You know, uh, it's really just kind of taking some, taking, some, taking a time out and, and saying, well, how bad is it going to be? Uh, there's not really anything you can do to wash the skin or, or you know, take uh, ibuprofen or don't take Benadryl, don't drink alcohol, don't do all of those things that, you know, you might think that is a, it's a good idea at the time. Just kind of step back and say, you know, it, it certainly could get worse, but, you know, it's just kind of uh, watching and waiting at, at the initial part of it. If you're just tuning in, we're talking all about the biggest risks of Arizona and how to handle them. You know, you talked a little bit about children in watching their respiratory status. What are some other signs that maybe anybody should seek medical care or come to the emergency department for evaluation? You know, anytime patient or yourself has troubles breathing, sometimes if you can't see, that would be some of the things to, to come to the emergency department for. A lot of times with scorpions specifically, though, supportive care, meaning just staying at home and just relaxing, taking some ibuprofen or some uh, acetaminophen is generally enough to, to get through this. So you talked a little bit about those kind of anti-inflammatory type treatments and those two types of medications. What are some of the other treatment options that you may need to utilize if somebody has to come to the emergency department? Let's say if uh, someone does really have a severe reaction, then antivenom, we, we offer antivenom that we can give to, to patients of all ages, but it has to be very severe. So we grade scorpion stings on a zero to four scale, and the antivenom is aimed for those who are suffering at three to four, the high end of the scale. And that is really when, when patients have troubles breathing, trouble swallowing, um, limb jerking, can't walk, those are the indications for antivenom. So the, are there any long-term effects of people that get these types of scorpion stings? There are not any real long-term effects. Some people uh, feel as if they're going to die if whenever they get stung, but certainly the long-term effects that I've heard and, and you know patients have reported are numbness and tingling up to a month after stings. But the pain usually goes away within the first 24 to 36 hours. So we focused a lot about scorpions, but certainly there are other critters out there. And the next common one that we hear a lot about when people find unusual lumps and bumps on their skin or just welts or some redness is spiders. Do we have dangerous spiders here within, within Arizona? We do. We have uh, black widow spiders. Uh, that's probably the, the most dangerous venomous spider we have in, in Arizona. There are uh, brown spiders, and brown spiders can range anywhere from just the, the general household brown spiders all the way to recluse spiders. Now, in Arizona, we don't have brown recluse spiders. I want to emphasize that. No brown recluse spiders in Arizona. But we do have cousins of the brown recluse spider, and that's the Arizona recluse. They can cause some skin damage. 
but it's not to the uh, extent that you would see as with a brown recluse spider. So cousins, not so bad. And what's some of those skin damage? You know, we talk a lot about those recluse spider bites, you know, causing that kind of that local skin damage. What sorts of things do we worry about? Even though we don't see that here predominantly, what are some of the things that we worry about as physicians when somebody comes in with a potential bite? So recluse spiders in general can cause necrotic wounds. And what that is, is it uh, causes a wound that essentially the, the cells die and then it causes other problems like you might have to have skin grafting and those sorts of things. But here again in Arizona, we may have a spider that can cause a little necrotic wound, but nothing like the ones uh, in the Midwest. So you talked about black widows and you talked about black widow spider being the most common venomous spider that we may see here within Arizona. You read a lot about them. Are black widows truly deadly or are they more kind of on the spectrum of, yes, they cause discomfort, they can cause some, you know, acute illness, but they truly aren't going to cause somebody to die? You know, there's, um, it, it also depends on the amount of venom that a person receives from a black widow spider. Most of the time with black widow spiders, it's a local pain, a lot of pain, maybe some blood pressure elevation, and those patients do quite well. Uh, sometimes, you know, you, we do have to bring them into the hospital just because there's so much pain, their blood pressure is so high that it can cause, in the elderly patients, they might have heart problems because of it. So uh, we might bring patients in for high blood pressure and, and just pain control. But in general, most of the time, patients will do quite well with just some over-the-counter remedies. Are there other specific treatments that you may have to give? We talked about anti-venom for the scorpions. Do we have similar types of things for um, black widow spider bites? There is a, an old, I will call it an old anti-venom uh, because they don't really make it any longer. We were actually in, involved in a clinical trial of a, of a new black widow anti-venom and that has yet to be FDA approved, but hopefully sometime we will uh, be able to uh, bring that on board. So just antivenom is really only specific for really, really severe bites. Very much understood. The last type of critter that I can think of that we might encounter as we're out in Arizona, especially this time of the year, you know, as we're here into the spring and early parts of the summer, are snakes around it. So what types of dangerous snakes might we see as we're out doing some of our outdoor activities here within the state? The snake that uh, we have most commonly in Arizona is the rattlesnake. And rattlesnakes are, geez, they're, they're everywhere uh, except for the city. You know, we don't really see too many rattlesnakes in, in the city, although there are some pockets uh, that we do see them. Emergency physician Dr. Dan Kwan is answering your top questions about Arizona dangers. Valleywise Health offers exceptional health care at over a dozen locations across Maricopa County. If you need medical care or have questions for one of our clinicians, visit valleywisehealth.org to get started. So how do I tell the difference if I encounter a snake of those that may be venomous and harmful to me versus those that may be non-venomous? Sometimes it's really difficult because the non-venomous snakes sort of appear to be uh, it's just like anything in nature. They, they try to make themselves look dangerous, just like the rattlesnake. So the gopher snake or the bull snake may have the same type of marking as a rattlesnake, but there are some telltale signs that you can, can sort of look at the snake from afar. You know, you don't have to get super close. 
but uh, a triangular head is one thing to look for. Uh, a rattlesnake will have a triangular shaped head and then, of course, a rattle. And uh, usually there are rings around the tail. So those are some of the quick things you can take a look at a snake and say, that's something I don't really want to mess with, but maybe you don't want to mess with the snake anyway. Truly understood. So we talk about rattlesnakes kind of in a broad sense. Are there different types of rattlesnakes that we see within Arizona? In the United States, we have 39 different types of rattlesnakes across the 50 states. Well, actually 48 states because Hawaii doesn't, they don't really have rattlesnakes and Maine doesn't really either. We have 13 of those species here in Arizona. So no, a good third. Wow. So what would happen? So I come upon a snake or I stumble upon a snake and I wasn't, I wasn't aware, I, I was a, not aware fast enough, and I was bitten by a rattlesnake. What are some of those immediate things that I would need to do to begin treatment? If you ever encounter a rattlesnake or bitten by a rattlesnake, everyone has one of these. Well, not everyone, but most people have one of these, and I actually have one in my lap. It's called a cell phone, and a mobile phone is your friend because you can call for help, and that's the best thing you could do is to seek assistance and go to the emergency department because Rattlesnakes, they don't necessarily, I've had plenty of patients that were bitten by rattlesnakes and then later on they develop symptoms like swelling, pain, that require additional treatment. One of the things you often read around these types of things is people, after they call for help, want to do something to stop the spread of the venom that may come from the bite by applying a tourniquet or doing some other types of things to try to constrict or begin to, to, to try to do something to suck out you know, the venom from, from the puncture wounds. Are those things that we should be doing? No. <laughs> so do not apply ice. Do not put tourniquets on. Do not tie rags around it. Do not cut and suck the wound. You know, those old westerns are out. Don't, don't do any of those sorts of things. Just go to the hospital and uh, we, will, we will evaluate it. So you talked a little bit about some of those local type reactions that somebody might have after the bite. They get some pain or they get some swelling. What are some of the other effects that rattlesnake venom after a bite might have on the body? The uh, physical findings that you, you would see are the pain, swelling, and maybe a little bit of bleeding from the wound, but it really does cause a lot of problems with the blood. It can affect the platelets, which can uh, cause bleeding if you get cut because you have low platelets. It can also thin the blood out, and so that, that makes the blood even harder to clot, and clotting issues are, are one of the things that you might see with rattlesnake bites. So, you know, you, you, you mentioned early on, the first thing to do is call for help. Do you recommend that anybody that's been bitten by one of these types of snakes be seen in the emergency department immediately? Or is this something that I can, yeah, little tiny snake, wasn't that bad, I can watch this at home for a bit, or should I really come in and just be seen? Really should come to the emergency department and be seen, any emergency department, because Evaluating the wound as well as getting some initial blood work is very helpful. There is a, an observation period that we, we uh, do with all rattlesnake bites, and uh, that kind of determines whether or not you need treatment. Part of that evaluation determines that I need treatment. What are some of the treatment options that you have available in the emergency department for these patients? So if you are envenomated with a rattlesnake, then uh, antivenom is the treatment of choice. We have two different types of antivenom available on the market. One is made from sheep and the other is made from horses. But 
both actually uh, do quite well with the rattlesnakes we have here in Arizona. How long does that take? So say I have a bite and, you know, it's been determined that I need to have one of these two types of antivenoms. How long does that treatment course last and do I have to stay in the hospital as I'm getting that? Yes, it's not a, uh, you can't get antivenom and go home. Uh, usually a hospital stay is required. So anywhere from one to two days, depending on the severity of the bite, uh, is, is uh, what I would expect from treatment. How long is then the recovery afterwards, after I've been home and I've got the antivenom, how long till I'm feeling back to normal, you know, to go back out and resume my activities? I think that's one of the falsehoods I want to address with this because, you know, a lot of times we, we think, oh, we get bit by a snake, we go to the hospital, we get antivenom, we go home. It's not really that quick because snake venom actually causes tissue damage. Just like a, a cut on the arm or a, a burn to the arm, it takes time to heal. So that amount of time can take anywhere from a week to a month to two months. I've had patients that have... Uh, didn't have full recoveries for, for months, three months, six months. Is there anything that they, we can do after that antivenom time to help shorten that recovery period, or is it really truly just dependent on the amount of envenomation or amount of, of venom that was introduced during the bite? It really does depend on the amount of venom, and uh, it, it certainly just depends on, on the patient as well as how much venom and where you're bitten. You can make a virtual or in-person appointment with a district medical group provider at Valleywise Health by calling 833-855-9973 Monday through Friday from 7.30 a.m. to 5 p.m. or by visiting valleywisehealth.org and clicking the book appointment button. So we talked about the recovery time, you know, being variable. Are there any other long-term consequences that individuals have to worry about if they've been bitten by a rattlesnake? Yes, uh, depends on where you're bitten. Uh, patients that are bitten on fingers, sometimes if it's severe enough, they will lose, you know, they will lose digits or, or fingers because of the the profound amount of venom that is contained in the in the digit. Uh, on the legs, the same sort of thing. You know, you can lose muscle tissue, you can lose tendons, damage tendons and nerves. All of those things can certainly happen with rattlesnake bites. And it's just going to depend on that length of time uh, around it, depending on, again, you know, those things around how much impact that local reaction were to occur. Correct. So as we're outside and we're getting past the dangers of snakes, are there other items or other areas that we should be concerned about, other animals or critters that may cause us problems here within the state of Arizona? Sure. Bees are, are probably one of the, the, the things that we don't really think about. You know, they're buzzing around, making honey, pollinating plants. They're, they're grand animals, except when you get swarmed. And so those, uh, the swarming can occur at, at any point. You know, you could be hiking on Camelback Mountain and, and be swarmed by bees. You could be a construction worker tearing down a home or a business and uh, you disturb a hive and you can be swarmed by bees. The best thing, if you do get swarmed, is to go and uh, seek shelter. After seeking shelter, if we got stung a bunch of times, again, is there anything that we should immediately do or when you have that number of stings, is that one of those times where, again, you pick up that phone that you may have in your pocket and call for help? It also depends on the type of reactions. There are a lot of people 
that have hypersensitivities or allergic reactions to, to bee stings. And those, those patients, you know, they should have EpiPens and, and be ready to go to the hospital anytime they are stung by, by bees. Uh, others, it depends on if, if they're not, have, if they don't have an allergic reaction or anaphylaxis, they can have reactions just to the venom itself, the amount of venom and the number of times someone is stung, it can certainly cause uh, problems just because of the amount of venom. Is there an anti-venom for this particular insect, or is this one where we just have to treat people with what we call supportive care, you know, some of those types of areas? Correct, yes. Those are, uh, there's no anti-venom for bees. Uh, we can use some steroid if, if there's a lot of uh, inflammation in the body, but there's really not a whole lot of uh, treatment options besides that support, supportive care. You know, as we're out hiking and we're out spending time in nature, we often will encounter other types of animals, you know, some of the mammals. So how often in, in your role as an emergency medicine physician do you see bites from other things? And I'm going to just say a mountain lion or a javelina or some of those types of things that we might encounter as we're out, you know, in the Sonoran Desert here. Yes, uh, you know, there are a lot of mammals running around the desert just like we are. And uh, uh, certainly, if you come upon a bobcat or a javelina, there are situations where they are protect protecting themselves as well as their families, and you may be bitten by one of those. Uh, definitely seek treatment for, for those types of animal bites because uh, it depends on where you're bitten, not location in, on your body, but location in terms of what part of uh, the city, state, or country even. Uh, uh, that would kind of dictate if you need to have rabies uh, prophylaxis or other types of treatment like that. Yeah. Again, I think with all of these today, as we've learned that any of these encounters really makes us think is, you know, they, there are some severe consequences and complications that you can arise from all of these types of bites. And, you know, we really need to be able to seek that care, you know, in our local emergency departments to help us guide some of that. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so how many times as people encounter, you know, a snake in nature, is the bite truly due to surprise versus somebody became too curious and, and tried to pick, you know, tried to take a picture for their Instagram or their story? You know, I, I would say about, you know, some will say half or more of those patients uh, are, are ones that try to handle the snakes. In my practice, uh, I, I typically see about half and half. So some some people will tr attempt to save the snake or relocate the snake, and others will are you know just doing things around the home. They're, they're taking they're taking out the trash. They're getting into their vehicles, um, uh, and and they're bitten then. So maybe half, maybe less are intentional bites, um, but most of them are accidental. What are some you know? Uh, things that you would like to leave the audience with around being outside and experiencing all that Arizona has to offer. What are some tips and tricks to avoid coming in contact with some of these critters that we've been talking about today? It's really awareness. You have to be aware of your surroundings. Just like, you know, if you live in a big city, you're aware of your surroundings. When you're hiking out in nature, enjoy all that nature offers, but also uh, you know, watch for snakes, watch for animals, 
don't get wrapped up in, in the music you're listening to. Just really pay attention to your surroundings. And, you know, there are times where uh, you may encounter a creature and, you know, you're both surprised. And uh, there, there's nothing you can do about that, unfortunately. Yeah, and I think the other thing that I, I've taken away from you today is really, again, if you have one of those unfortunate encounters, it is really, you know, incumbent on you to, to seek, you know, emergency care, you know, and evaluate all the options that are available for treatment. Dr. Kwan, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. If you missed any part of the show or want to hear something again, you can access all of our blogs and podcasts at valleywisehealth.org bewell. Thank you, and we'll talk to you again soon. We hope you enjoyed listening to Wellness Now, brought to you by Valleywise Health and District Medical Group. If you're looking for more information about what you heard today, visit us online at valleywisehealth.org bewell. There you'll find blogs, podcasts, and information about the healthcare providers you heard on the show. You can even book an appointment at a Valleywise Community Health Center near you. That's valleywisehealth.org slash bewell. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll tune in again soon.